Reset Rebel podcast with me, Joe Yule. Happy Sunday. Um, I have literally been meaning to put this episode of the podcast out for almost two weeks now, and I have been working on a teacher training. I've been backwards and forwards to London, and I've also been giving some talks about podcasting um, to celebrate the Reset Rebel podcast's one year anniversary. So that happened on Friday at the Hub. which was amazing at last uh, last week's guest the wonderful Susie Pearl joined us there in the audience um, as I did my very first workshop really about whether it's time to start your own wellness podcast and what the parameters for that process really entail um, obviously it's anyone's game currently to be able to start a podcast but whether it's actually a good thing for your business or brand is definitely something to take into consideration and exactly how you're going to get there the structure for series one the style the software the technology the implementation process are all things that we need to think about before plunging in because there's a lot of podcasts out there now and I feel like it is anyone's prerogative I suppose in some respects to get involved and get on board and put their voice out there find their voice and empower themselves by sharing um, and showcasing their knowledge as a wellness brand or events company or therapist healer I think that's one of the main reasons I started this podcast was to help other um, wellness therapists in Ibiza find their voice which I talked about at my talk on Friday at the hub which is a co-working space and I had this great big powerpoint presentation and I actually didn't really even switch it on until right at the very end it's incredible and um, sometimes when you get into the flow of something you maybe think you need a powerpoint presentation to talk about but actually I have just so much passion for podcasting and radio making, it's quite ridiculous. And although I sort of pinged around like the pinball wizard in terms of the topics I was covering or the angles and the different strands of um, conversation that spun out from where I began, it felt like a really organic process. And an hour and a almost a half, I think, flew past. For me, anyway, I don't know about the people in the audience. And it just felt like a really nice way to share some of the knowledge that I've picked up um, in the last year of broadcasting this podcast. So first and foremost, I just want to say a massive, massive thank you for all of you um, tuning into this podcast week on week. The figures and numbers are growing. um, And we've hit 10,000 subscribers, which I never, ever thought could happen in a million years. And so I'm really, really excited about that. And we did have cake and some really strong coffee that actually (laughs) left me feeling um, incredibly high, not just on life and the wonderful people that came to the podcast and workshop. Um, But yeah, definitely, definitely hit the spot. And it was just a really nice way to really see into the eyeballs of the people that have been supporting this uh, project since we started a year ago. Um, podcasting is obviously a great way to connect to people but sometimes getting people physically together in a room 
um, is a wonderful thing and to be able to actually connect physically rather than just in uh, through the ears through a pair of headphones so that was a really nice thing um, to have done and the week before that I was very lucky to have been invited onto um, a panel about podcasting with my old BBC boss from BBC Six Music Mr Mike Hansen in London and worked my absolute yeah um <laughs> bottom off on this teacher training for five whole days non-stop for like 14 hour days and then jumped on a flight midway through and went over to London to um, be part of the H bloggers health bloggers um, forum and wellness summit um, to talk about this exact same topic really is it the right time um, to start your own podcast series and that felt like the launch pad really for something that I've been working on really for about six years now. Um, and that is to set up my own production company um, and to help other people find their voice through podcasting and facilitating that process and honing down people's ideas and structure and strategy to get onto the podcasting train and also produce uh, that series for them. So to have that platform really was really quite a gift um, in London through such an amazing um, event Um, and also then to have hosted this second talk less than you know a week later um, felt really powerful for me to kind of get this ball rolling in the podcasting world in particularly in Ibiza where I was kind of thinking maybe I need to move back to London because I just don't think it's going to catch on here because no one's podcasting I need to get back to London, connect with some English-speaking big businesses and brands and pitch this idea to them. But what I'm starting to understand is that actually really Ibiza hasn't caught on to podcasting yet, uh, apart from mine and a couple of other music ones. There really aren't that many podcasts here. And what a great place to start a business, um, really facilitating um, these series for people um, who want to get into the podcasting game. So that is my plan. Um, and like I said, this this Wellness Summit was a real um, opening chapter. And that is exactly where today's episode of the Reset Rebel podcast is coming from. We're going to have two episodes coming from the H Bloggers Summit. And our guest today... Um, is the very lovely Sarah Selleck, who is a gut health expert. And she came on to the podcast. Uh, it's a little bit noisy in this episode, noisier than usual, than our uh, sort of beach wave lapping episodes that we often have here on Ibiza. So please bear with us as today's episode is rolled out. But if you do want to get in touch uh, before I hand over into today's interview, um, please, please, please do send me an email to joe at resetrebelproductions.com. And um, I'd love to talk to you about your podcasting ideas. If you are interested in setting something up, do feel free to drop me a line. Um, but for now, we're going to go directly into this episode about gut health uh, and the microbiome and the bacterial beings um, that we are and all the things that we need to do to look after ourselves, not just while we're on holiday, as we talk about in this episode um, in Ibiza, 
um, which um, I don't think Sarah or I explained properly before we launched into our interview that I actually live in Ibiza. I'm not on holiday here, which I think a lot of people think that I actually am. I think anyone that knows that you're living in Ibiza um, often think that your life is just one big holiday. And the fact of the matter is, it does often feel that way. But um, we are actually working here, believe it or not. Um, So yeah, it is a really interesting chat um, with Sarah who is just a mountain and a wealth of knowledge. Um, She was flown in from Canada to London, especially um, for the Wellness Summit in East London, um, just over a week ago now, exactly a week ago, yesterday in fact. Um, And she's just an all-round bubbly, marvellous, wonderful soul who I really, really, really enjoyed meeting and had the pleasure uh, of having on this podcast. So without further ado, today's episode is all about gut health and um, I hope you really enjoy it. And next week, um, we have the fabulous uh, Daryl joining us, who is a fitness expert and functional movement um, and training coach. And he's given a TED talk as well um, on that exact topic um and he talks about why working out isn't working out for many of us and so that's a really interesting chat that's also coming um from the h bloggers um summit last weekend but right now we're going directly in to gut health with dr sarah Selick. don't go away Welcome back to the Reset Rebel podcast with me, Joe Yule. And today's edition is coming live from London at the HC Bloggers Health and Wellness Summit. Sounds very fancy, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> we're at a beautiful space um, in Leighton called This Time Next Year. It's a co-working space. And I'm really, really loving the vibe thus far. I've had lots of lovely free coconut water and some... Um, delightful vegan chocolates and a chat to the uh, essential oils ladies of Duterra. But I'm very delighted uh, to be joined by Dr. Sarah Selleck. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. And um, I very sadly uh, missed your talk because I um, had a little bit of trouble getting here on time this morning (laughs) uh, in true Ibiza style. I don't know if you've ever been to Ibiza. Yes, yes, I have. So oh, you have? I have. Uh, I went uh, just uh, under two years ago. So I think that this will be a great interview because I was there and I know how to be healthy while traveling there. <laughs> okay, well, that's good because not a lot of people, uh, yeah, have a lot of success on that front. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, the Spanish diet, for starters, um, leaves quite a lot to be desired. And the talk that obviously I missed of yours um, was your gut health talk. You are an expert on gut health and that's kind of why I wanted to have a chat to you because I just thought it would be fascinating really to get some more insights I guess on how to reset oneself because you know I think a lot of people that listen to this podcast are suffering from anxiety depression and you know obviously with a lot of our serotonin being produced in the gut it you know felt like a really wonderful topic to actually finally um, have a little discussion about on this podcast so I mean I missed I missed as I said the talk but what you know what was your sort of tip for um staying healthy in Spain to start with if you've obviously been to Ibiza you know you know there are health cafes there but they're not always like the most easy accessible kind of places to nourish oneself Mm -hmm. so when you're traveling again you're on vacation so we all know that it's not always easy to make healthy choices you're there to have a good time you're not there to 
modify the menu and you know be difficult essentially in restaurants but what I will say is you always want to do the best to take care of your body because you're going to feel your best on vacation if you're eating well and eating gut friendly foods so there are some ways that you can keep your gut healthy on on your trip simply by feeding the bugs that live in your gut so I always say reach for those foods that are high in fiber because they're going to feed the bugs in your gut, keep the bloating down, and also um, the, the more balanced the microbes are in the gut, the better you're going to feel. As you were saying, your gut and your brain are connected. So if you want to feel your best, improve your mood, you really do want to make sure that you have that right balance of bugs in the gut best way to do it, feed the bugs and eat fermented foods, foods rich in good bacteria uh, while you're on your trip. So in Spain, um, you know, it's a lot of white bread, it's a lot of alioli that goes the first thing down on the table before the dinner arrives on the scene, which you've carefully selected with these tips in mind. But, um, you know, I guess my number one thing that I do if I obviously don't want to get involved in the white bread story I call it evil white bread it's um you know I do have a little snack before I go out because I know that once I've had a little sip of wine or something else perhaps my self of you know my sense of self-preservation might have dipped somewhat by the time the bread lands on the table and um you know if I'm not absolutely ravenous then I've got more chance of resisting than I have you know, with a few sips of wine in me and being like ravenously starving. So it kind of, you know, little things like that are kind of ways that one can sort of ward off that absolute disastrous bloating situation that you just mentioned. Because I think that gluten is, you know, definitely one of the biggest enemies of the gut potentially if people do suffer from, you know, those kinds of situations. Yes, and the best thing to do is really just ask ahead of time, please don't bring bread to the table because you and I know if it's there, if it's in front of us, it's it's usually calling our name. It's a lot harder to say no. Eat me, eat me. <laughs> so ask the waiter, you know, if you don't mind, please don't bring any bread out. Uh, and then, like you said, having a snack beforehand, high in fiber. I can't stress fiber enough. I actually travel with a fiber supplement. Uh, one of the reasons is not only does it feed the good bugs, but it helps you feel full faster. So you're less likely to overeat. A lot of people on vacation, uh, the issue is not even the foods that they're eating. They just eat. They, they eat too many, too too much food. Uh, especially if there's an, a buffet option, people will tend to go back for seconds or thirds. So it's always a good idea. Just ask for you know a, a salad as a starter. Have your fiber or your snack before you go out. You're less likely to overindulge if you have something uh, before you go. I mean, talk us through the serotonin situation. Obviously, I just mentioned that, you know, a lot of it is produced or almost all of it in our guts. And I, I don't really know how it travels up to the brain and feeds out from there into the rest of the, you know, endocrine system, wherever it goes next. But it's, yeah, I don't, you know, I think a lot of people have no idea that, you know, that a lot of their happiness is dependent upon the health and happiness of their gut. It is. And if you want a healthy life for a better mood, to reduce anxiety and depression, we really do need to make sure we're taking good care of our gut. Uh, One of the things that I always talk about is the vagus nerve. The vagus nerve connects from the back of the brain to your gut. And if we do things, not just food-wise, but if we do things to really stimulate the vagus nerve, it will also help elevate our mood and we're less likely to be stress eaters. Uh, So one, one of the things that you can easily do is start your day even when you're on vacation with some deep breathing, some meditation, a nature walk, get by the water, uh, really nurture that the, the nervous system in a calming way. Uh, this will help 
relax your body and you're more likely to make even better food choices when you feel balanced and, and you feel well. So yes, the majority of our serotonin is produced in the gut, over 90%, along with other neurotransmitters uh, that essentially make us feel good. Uh, and how they communicate with the brain, really interesting, is the bacteria in our gut communicates via the vagus nerve to the brain. So there's this constant communication, not only with our gut and our brain, but with our brain and our gut, uh, which is why stress can often lead to digestive symptoms. So, so do things that will calm you on your trip. Start your day off right. Don't start with a martini or a drink. Uh, and really, really nurture your, your calming uh, nervous system, which we call the parasympathetic nervous system. I mean, what are signs in the body to perhaps go, oh, you know, that, that could be a sign that my gut is not feeling so good. I mean, maybe someone doesn't even know they've got an unhealthy gut. How do they start to repair the damage? Like, what are those kind of signals, I guess, that, you know, would make you think, ah, I might need to uh, check in with that one? The obvious are digestive symptoms. So if you're bloated all the time, gassy, constipated, diarrhea, heartburn, these all indicate that you have an unhealthy gut. But there are other signs and symptoms as well. So as we talked about, your mood, if you're not feeling so great, could be imbalance in the gut, yeast overgrowth. So a woman who's getting a lot of yeast infections or urinary tract infections, or even just cold and flu, uh, could be linked to an imbalance in the gut. Uh, we also know that a lot of foods can trigger inflammation, uh, and inflammation can lead to a range of different symptoms. So if you have chronic pain, if you're always fatigued, if you're feeling run down, these can all point to signs of an unhealthy gut. So it's not just digestive symptoms to look for. Uh, really take a moment, sit with yourself and really see how, how are you feeling? What is your body trying to tell you? What are those signs and symptoms that you are feeling on a daily basis that could be pointing to an unhealthy gut? And that's really where to begin. What foods would you say, I mean, we talked about the gluten story, but, you know, what other foods would you say are quite inflammatory? I mean, obviously, I guess processed foods and sugary foods um, particularly would be my guesses. <laughs> but, I mean, like, what are the real things in this planet that you just go, oh, my God, I would never put that my, you know, into my body. My body is a temple. Yes, there are a lot of foods that can promote inflammation, as you mentioned, sugar, gluten. I think someone's having a little sing-song in the background. <laughs> Yes, yeah, somebody's singing. Uh, so gluten, sugar, processed foods, those are the obvious. Uh, but what's amazing is that people will often eat healthy foods. I'm, I'm, you know, doing quotes. You can't see me, but healthy foods that can also promote inflammation simply because their body has a hard time digesting those foods. So any food that your body has a hard time digesting is going to promote inflammation in your body and is, a, is not a good idea to consume. Oh, we just moved into the hallway. We're sitting in the stairwell now. Oh, the glamour. <laughs> Uh, I guess that was, um, yeah, always going to happen, being in a, a conference with lots of action up and down. So there's so many interesting talks going on here today. It's, um, it's quite incredible, actually. I was just listening to the, um, the gynae geek, the mm -hmm. doctor. Fascinating stuff, hearing all about uh, 
the bacteria that's also existent downstairs, which I had no idea about. Yes, bacteria. We are bacterial beings. Uh, I always say we're made of bacteria. If we are attracted to people, we're probably attracted to their bacteria as well. So bacteria <laughs> is not only in our gut, bacteria is on our skin. Uh, bacteria is in our mouth, in our vagina, as the gyne geek was saying. Uh, so we are bacterial beings. And in order to have a healthy life, we need to balance the bacteria and really take care of the bacteria and keep it alive and, and how do we do that because I mean obviously eating kind of like I don't know yogurts in the morning that are alive are you know it's one way of trying to get that good bacteria into the gut before you start you know shoveling down everything else that goes into uh, the daily diet but like what you know what other tips have you got well, when we, when we think about bacteria in our gut, really we want to recognize that bacteria are alive. And because they're alive, we need to do what we can to feed them and keep them alive. That's where prebiotics come in. Prebiotics are going to feed the bacteria and help the bacteria flourish. Prebiotics or pro? Pre. Pre. So you have probiotics, which are the live bacteria uh, that we take. And it, uh, you know, when taken in the right amounts, will offer health benefits. Uh, but then we have prebiotics, which feed the bacteria and help the bacteria stay alive and flourish. Prebiotics are found in foods, so fiber, coming back to the importance of eating fiber, garlic, onions, leeks, artichoke, apples, legumes. There are so many different ways that we can feed the bacteria. It's like when you have a plant, you need to water the plant to keep it alive and, and help it grow. And same with the bacteria in our body. We really need to feed the bacteria the right foods to keep it alive. And unfortunately, stress is a, is a huge gut disruptor. Stress and sugar and the things that we do on a daily basis uh, are really harming our gut. So we have to take a little bit of extra care uh, when it comes to our gut health. You must see a lot of uh, stressed out, uh, bacterially unbalanced people. I mean, that's obviously what you do for a living. Yes, lots of people uh, have what's called dysbiosis, and dysbiosis is an imbalance of the microbes that live in our gut. When we have dysbiosis, it gives uh, other pathogens like yeast an opportunity to overgrow and flourish, uh, and we don't want yeast overgrowth. That's bad news. That can really cause a lot of fatigue, difficulty losing weight, skin conditions like like acne, uh, rashes, uh, and digestive symptoms. So feeling bloated all the time, having lots of gas or constipation. So having yeast overgrowth is something that we don't want. Uh, Unfortunately, though, uh, our lifestyle really isn't good to the bugs in our gut. Our lifestyle often starves the bugs uh, and really uh, destroys them. So it's up to us to, to do our best not just to put them back into our body, which is where supplements come in or fermented foods, but also to eat those prebiotics to help keep them alive. Mm. I mean, you must... I mean, what, what, I'm fascinated. To, I always ask people about this, like their morning routine. So what is the first thing that you personally put into your body when you wake up? Lemon water. So warm water and lemon. It's how I love to start my day. Uh, I, I think that we start our morning sometimes with, uh, you know, stress. We wake up, we reach for our phone, we have a coffee, we're on the go. Uh, sometimes we're having a high sugary muffin or a scone. Uh, these are the things that we don't want to do uh, first thing in the morning. So we can do them later, but what, what, what is the first 30 minutes of your day? What does that look like? That should be calming. Again, coming back to the vagus nerve, uh, doing deep breathing, taking your time, having an alkaline beverage 
beverage, uh, or having warm lemon water, which is good for your liver. Uh, doing some, some meditation in the morning is great. So really check the first 30 minutes of your day. Make sure those are nurturing and good to your gut. Definitely. I mean, staying in the parasympathetic is, yeah, main name of the game mm-hmm. and, you know, for as long as possible in the morning. But I think, you know, we're just so conditioned to sort of reaching for the coffee pot first thing in the morning. And I know I, I try to start with my lemon and ginger in the morning, but there are days I open my eyes, I'm just knackered and I, you know, I, 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 do, I just go straight for my black coffee and that's it. Well, what you can do to can make you rectify your, that. Yeah, well, well, if you are just going to reach for your coffee, let me give, give you a tip. Uh, and, and we can share this with everyone, of course. So chicory root is a prebiotic. And uh, when you take chicory root first thing in the morning, it really helps to feed the bacteria in your gut. So what you can do is pick up chicory root at your you know, local grocery store, health food store, and add it to your coffee. So you're not eliminating your coffee. You're not getting rid of your coffee. You're just making your coffee gut-friendly. That is great. I'm definitely going to get some of that. Um, I heard cardamom pods as well in mm-hmm. coffee. Does that does that change things as well? Yes. So again, adding things to your coffee to to boost its power. You know, coffee is not unhealthy. I think coffee in excessive amounts, of course, can be a problem, especially for women and their hormones. Uh, but you can always take your coffee and make it that much healthier simply by doing a, a few little things. So you can just sort of soften the blow. Exactly. <laughs> Make it a little bit less bitter as well, which is obviously going to be more tasty. That's what the cardamom does, I think. Yes. And it's good for digestion. I like these little cheat techniques. Have you got any got any other little uh, tips? You know, if you were feeling really bloated, what's the best way to sort of get back to homeostasis? Yes. Yeah, so enzymes, enzymes, enzymes. Digestive enzymes, our body naturally makes digestive enzymes. They help break down food. They help us absorb the nutrients from our food. But if we're not eating enzyme-rich foods, guess what? We're probably not going to be digesting our food as well. So I always say, and especially when you're traveling to Ibiza, take digestive enzymes if you take them it'll help minimize that bloating and and really help reduce the gas uh, which who doesn't want that Uh, so enzymes will really help with digestion that's a great way to still enjoy the foods you love without having to uh, make any drastic changes I know that pineapple and papaya, they're the things I go to in India when I'm there, and I always have those for breakfast to get those digestive enzymes into me. And actually, I even read that reading the papaya, reading, eating the papaya seeds, the little black, Mm -hmm. slightly slimy, weird-looking little things in the middle, um, are a great thing to nibble on, like, in between meals. Mm -hmm. You got it. Papaya and pineapple, uh, my go-tos as well for their digestive enzyme powers. Uh, And really, if you don't have access, if depending on where you're traveling to, uh, again, you can always take digestive enzymes in supplement form as well. But what we want to do is we want to get those digestive juices flowing. We want to encourage the digestive juices. And another way you can do that is to simply chew your food. The longer you chew, uh, the more you're signaling to your body, hey, prepare, food's coming, uh, and I need you to really get those juices flowing to digest my food properly. I think that's another thing about being on holiday, isn't it? You're always socializing. You're always with friends at meal times. And how can you ever, you know, particularly when you're in Ibiza and you're out for a big, fat, juicy steak, for example, you just don't get an opportunity to chew anything, I don't think, like when you're like, no, but it's true, though, isn't it? Because I actually, it's only in the last, I don't know, maybe the last year that I've started to get quite agitated when I'm out for dinner because people are, you know, 
<laughs> this one particular friend, I'm like, I, I say something, I put a morsel of food into my mouth, and then he asks me what I've said again because we don't speak the same language, and I adore this person dearly, but it cracks me up, and I actually refuse to ask, answer until I've stopped chewing because I hate speaking with my mouthful. I'm not going to just swallow whatever I put in my mouth without chewing it. It's just like, <laughs> it's just this constant thing, and it is a battle. It sounds so pathetic, but it's just, you know, I hate not being able to chew my food, and I do find it challenging sometimes to be at a dinner table particularly if it's one-to-one to ever really actually <laughs> chew my food is that just making me sound like a total weirdo not at all not at all i think we do need to spend more time chewing our food uh, and we're rushing through our meals uh, people eat so fast uh, so sit down relax chew your food well these are all little things that you can do to help your digestive juices and don't drink if you don't have to drink water or any liquids uh, don't do it just wait until after you finished your meal because every time you drink you're actually diluting the digestive juices uh, and you want to keep them as powerful as possible so one way we can do that is to just wait until we're finished our meal before we we really do add in those liquids that's interesting actually because um, my father who's 82 was in Ibiza with me last week and he a uh, doesn't drink anything with his meal he always says I'll have my tea or whatever he's gonna he doesn't drink alcohol so he was like oh I'll have my orange juice afterwards and now I see well I'm sure he has absolutely no idea about gut bacteria he lives on sugar and Weetabix for breakfast so he's not bothered about gluten um, or these sugary treats but um, the other thing that he does is he doesn't talk during mealtimes and I said what's this all about and he was like oh I think it just comes from you know when I was evacuated in the war and I guess like food was just so scarce then that he you know I think he was sort of terrified back then that food was going to get taken away from him so he kind of eats quite fast doesn't say anything and he doesn't have a drink until afterwards he's probably actually doing himself the world because he has to get to chew his food and he doesn't dilute his digestive juices and he looks pretty pretty incredible and he doesn't drink any booze so there he's go. kind of he's doing something right he is he's on the Even right if track it's really irritating <laughs> we can learn from him well maybe i don't know about the uh, five sugars that he has in every cup of tea that he has about 20 of a day but um <laughs> Sugar doesn't seem to... This is what cracks me up, though, because I think a lot of people that do drink alcohol obviously consume a lot of sugar without knowing. Mm. But um, he has drunk buckets of tea his whole life, and in every cup he has one or two sugars. So he's having, like, ten cups a day. That's, like, 20 sugars he's having. And he just looks unbelievable. And I mean, maybe it's because he doesn't drink alcohol and he hasn't had buckets of stress in his life since I, he retired. I was just going to say, I think, uh, you know, nutrition, of course, is so vital but more so stress is a big big factor i think a lot of people don't realize how stress can cause inflammation how stress can cause disease in the body so sometimes you have two people one might be really healthy but super stressed out and the other might be eating a horrible diet but they're not stressed at all the question is which one is healthier Mm. well yeah i think stress you're absolutely right i mean when you look at people in um, any of these kind of Southeast Asian countries are sort of, you know, maybe they're not making a lot of money, but they don't look very stressed out and running these little shops and, you know, market stalls and things. And they just look so blissfully happy with so little. And I really, really do take notice of that, particularly when I go to India or Thailand or whatever. And I just think they've got it they're doing it right I just really don't feel like I see these people sprinting around London 100 miles an hour looking you know absolutely manic and with that kind of startled rabbit look in their eyes because they're you know late for work or late for the bus or running for the tube or you know it's just that's not healthy you know um 
And that's what I always notice, I think, when I come back from Ibiza to here. And I always, for the first few days, I'm in London. I'm like, oh, I really want to be back in London. It really excites me. There's culture, there's museums, there's bars, there's, you know, real historical monuments that, you know, really make my heart sing when I see them. But then by day two, day three, I start to get quite stressed trying to run around on the tube and carry all my bags and, you know, navigate the system and not be late for things. And I, yeah, I just, I remember why I had to leave after 10 years here working as a journalist because I was always on deadline and I was always running from A to B to get my audio back to the office. And so that's, that was my story with, um, with being in London. I, I, I found it incredibly stressful. And for me, that was you're not, not good. My mum's a, a massive stress head, and I think that's definitely... I notice my tummy absolutely goes in, you know, into absolute panic. Mm-hmm. Um, I get very bloated and all sorts of other symptoms that aren't pleasant. And, um, yeah, I just think stress is definitely the biggest thing. And, and how do you think that that... You know, what are the biggest manifestations that you see in the body of stress that in your line of work? Well, I see a lot of patients with IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, and one of the main causes of IBS is stress. So that's number one, uh, but stress can manifest in the body in, in many different ways. Uh, so it can throw your hormones off, uh, thyroid issues, hormonal issues in women, uh, of course, uh, sleep. So people, if they're not sleeping well, they're not resting well, that again can weaken their immune system, can lead to, to all sorts of other problems. Uh, so it can, stress can manifest in, in, in very unique ways uh, and, and can cause a range of different health issues for people. Uh, and I think that it, it, now it's so great to see us linking the gut to stress uh, because people are more aware of, of the impact that stress has on their gut and how their gut health affects their entire body. I always say the gut is like the engine in a car. So your car's not going to get very far if your engine isn't working. And look at your gut as the engine in your body. Take care of it. Make sure it's running well. Pay attention to your gut health and do what you can to feed the bugs. Do what you can to keep your digestive juices flowing. Uh, And that is really key, I think, when it comes to health and well-being. It's easy to get overwhelmed. It's easy to follow different diets. It's easy to see what's happening, you know, on Instagram or or reading the latest article in the newspaper. Uh, But find what's right for you and just keep it keep it simple. If you can take care of your gut, I think you're doing 80% of the work simply by by focusing on your gut health. Mm. And whereabouts is it in the world that you live? Is it Canada or America? I'm not sure. I'm from Toronto, Canada, so I'm Canadian. I'm always, I'm always scared about that question. Is she Canadian or America? I don't want to insult the woman. Yes, I'm from Toronto. Uh-huh. And is that where you live? Yes. Okay, and how would you say that the transition nutritionally between here and there compares? Like, do you find it easier to sort of stay on the path of the, the kind of the gut, gut lord over over there or here you mean in London yeah it's interesting because I think you know vegan options are quite popular here in London uh, is vegan food good for the gut well it depends I mean you could have a vegan brownie that's not necessarily good for the gut but it's a lot of nutty kind of proteiny kind of like processedy soyery sort of foods and for me my tummy doesn't cope so well and particularly with all those beans and pulses and god knows what else is you know there's a riot going off down there yes you need to be very careful a lot of things are marketed as vegan but it doesn't necessarily 
necessarily mean that they're healthy. I always say choose food in its most natural state. Uh, in Toronto, you know, big city, fast-paced lifestyle. Again, everybody's very stressed. People are eating on the go, uh, but there are healthy options. So that's that's something I always say. You know, we're lucky. 20 years ago when I, you know, entered naturopathic medicine and started studying uh, the, the, the wellness side of it, these options weren't available. So we've come a really long way. There are lots of great ways to eat healthier. Uh, you know, di- different communities now are out there talking about the benefits of wellness and healthy eating. So I think it doesn't matter where you live in the world. I think that the options are there and we can always find natural food. It's out there. We just have to make the effort to go out and get it. Well, or grow our own, you know, actually oh, in a place ideally. like Ibiza, for example, <laughs> so many people live in these beautiful Campo Fincas and older style kind of, you know, buildings with lots of grounds around them. But I, I, you know, I just don't think anyone would even dream of doing that these days, apart from a few herbs and, you know, the kitchen or in the windowsill or whatever. Like, I just, I don't know, me included, I've never grown a potato or a, a vegetable myself. And I think that... You know, maybe it's time that we all start taking a little bit more responsibility for our own food supply. For sure. And it's pretty amazing, actually, in Toronto, I can list five people who have decided to move outside the city and have really started growing their own food. They were tired of the rat race. They were tired of go, go, go. And they, they've really moved away, you know, even if it's two hours out of the city and they've just embraced this new lifestyle. So I don't, I don't think it's easy to do that. I think that, of course, people, you know, they have careers and they're you know living in these cities maybe their family is close by but it surprises me to see more people doing that Uh, and if you aren't going to move two hours away uh, then do what you can at home as you mentioned like you can get pots and grow your own herbs and the little things that we do they make a big difference at the end of the day well, not just uh, from the gut perspective, but also in the bank balance. I mean, it's so much cheaper to grow your own basils and corianders and, you know, all these wonderful things that just taste so good in a salad. Mm-hmm. But also, I mean, you know, from my perspective, um, kombucha, sauerkraut, mm-hmm. um, kimchi, all of those wonderful things that are quite time-consuming and tricky, perhaps, to develop, take a little bit of patience, a little bit of time, a little bit of knowledge and know-how. Um, and they think, you know, and they're very expensive in Ibiza. Um, Understandably so, because obviously, um, for example, we have these incredible nutrition uh, gurus called Los Fermentistas in Ibiza who make these wonderful, wonderful, delicious fermented goods. Um, But, you know, they are not cheap and rightly not because they are hand cut and created and crafted with love. Um, But sometimes, you know, somehow that is sometimes not something I turn to necessarily because it's, it's very... It is quite expensive um, to buy those kinds of things. I mean, even just like a a little bottle of kombucha from the Tea of Life uh, in Ibiza is like almost five euros for a small one. Mm. So you just think, you know, that's just, that's a lot of money, you know. It's a very expensive island. And so I totally appreciate the cost of these things to, to, to create. But I think, you know, one of the things that we can be doing for ourselves is making all of those three things at home. Um, or even just a kombucha, you know, it's not that difficult to get your own uh, scooby, is it? Skeeby? Scaby? <laughs> <laughs> yes, and, uh, you know, if you think about it, cabbage is very cheap. Mm. 
Uh, so you can make your own. You can make your own pickled vegetables. My mom has been doing that since I was a little girl. I never appreciated it until recently, where I understood the benefits of the bacteria and the probiotics that are in fermented foods. Uh, but you know, you can you can make your own. And I think it's you know a little a little time on Google is all you really need to do. Uh, you can get different different recipes. There are different options, and it is a good way to save money and get those live bacteria into you. Uh, and for those who, again, if they're not savvy in the kitchen or they can't even think about making their own, you know, the good news is that there are supplements available that can really help our gut uh, and, and provide our body with that bacteria uh, that, that we need. Because w- whatever you decide to do, if you're going to make fermented foods at home or if you're going to take a supplement, we know now, research is telling us, science is telling us that we need bacteria. Our current lifestyle is depriving our body of microbes. Uh, and we don't have enough of these good bacteria. So that's why health is affected. These bacteria actually keep inflammation down. They produce vitamins. Uh, they help with digestion. So we, we need to make sure that we are doing what we can to either bring the bacteria back into our body or nurture the existing bacteria. Uh, but uh, I hope that people, you know, will take on projects at home and, and learn how to do new things and learn how to garden and learn how to grow their own food because the benefits are really, really amazing. It's funny because on the Instagram account, we have this thing every other post with uh, the person who we're interviewing on the podcast. It's a word um, starting with re. And I was just thinking, oh, yes, re- reproduction. That's a word we haven't used so far. And, you know, that possibility to reproduce all of these good bacteria is there, you know, for us to take daily. Like, you know, we are responsible for the production of that um, goodness in our own bodies because ultimately we're also responsible for all the other things we throw down there which you know aren't received so well and I think um it's difficult it's difficult to manage that sometimes in certain social situations or even just going around to somebody's house for dinner I mean I've become probably one of the most nightmare dinner guests on the planet and no one wants to be that ball that's like well I've got this and I've got that and I can't eat this and I can't eat that but ultimately you have to be a little bit protected these days of what you are eating and if someone's making a great big bowl of pasta or you know I just I really I'm not gonna get, I'm not gonna get involved so it's difficult not to become that nightmare um, friend that no one wants to have around Yes, I'm that person too, so (laughs) I can definitely relate. But, you know, people are actually quite quite nice about it, I find. Um, You know, it is a bit of a hassle, but at the same time, uh, you know, I've never had anybody say, well, you know, we're not going to have you there because you're so difficult. I mean, most people are like, what can I make for you? Uh, Remind me again, what are the things that you won't have? Uh, So I think people will accommodate, restaurants will accommodate, don't be shy to modify the menu. I know sometimes on vacation, you know, you, you might you know let things slide uh, but again don't be afraid if, if you're you know that you feel best eating certain foods modify the menu ask if there's another option and I, I think that people are are quite helpful and quite willing to accommodate okay good tips thank you so much dr sarah salik for making time for us here at the hbc bloggers conference so it's a really great little event so far what are you thinking I absolutely love the energy. Great event, great speakers. Uh, I'm here with Renew Life. They brought me in from Toronto. I have to say thank you to them. It's great seeing you, meeting you, and and so many wonderful uh, bloggers are here. So it's a, it's a fabulous event. It's great to be a part of it. What's Renew Life? 
Marine New Life is a digestive care company, so we're here at the show uh, along with other uh, brands as well. And we have live bacteria supplements and digestive enzymes and fiber, so feel free to check them out. Wow, they flew you all the way from Toronto for that. That's incredible. What did you do to deserve that? Obviously, probably <laughs> the most intelligent person to talk about gut health in the world. But I mean, that's that's a seriously big trip. How long are you here for? I am leaving tomorrow, so I came in yesterday. It's like my shortest trip ever, and I can't believe I'm gone. I know that's it's ridiculous. Like I, I feel like I went from Heathrow to to the, to the summit, and I'm going back to the airport. <laughs> wow. Well, thank you so much for making such a, a jolly jolly good effort oh, to be here. Thank you so much. It's so great to be here. Rebel. Coming to you every day.